Hi, it's John Bernadovich, your host of the H Like a Boss podcast. Welcome to season three. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope of finding what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. On today's show, I'm super excited to be joined by Lisa Newberger. Lisa was connected to me by another Lisa on my team at Willery, Lisa Mamula. So I have a big thanks to her. So hopefully she's checking out the podcast or, or watching the video. Lisa, welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, John. Looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. So for those that do not know you, Lisa, if you wouldn't mind just taking a little bit of time, giving them a background on your story, that's what compelled me to have you on the show. You have a really unique background and now you're in the talent acquisition space. So tell our listeners all about you. Okay. Well, I am a recovering social worker and have realized that social work skills of assessment and problem solving, treatment planning, goal-oriented behaviors, and evaluation tie in beautifully with HR and particularly with recruiter and recruiting. So I predominantly do recruiting. I also am involved with doing trainings and retreats, but my real passion is the recruiting because I personally had gone through a very prolonged job search myself and for all that time researching how does one find what you want to do when you grow up and how do you find the right corporate culture and the right people to introduce you to the right people, it somehow brought me to recruiting and I love it. Awesome. I know that you've uh, had quite a bit of experiences in your professional career. I love the connection with social work and uh, what you're doing in, in recruiting now. And I know uh, in that in that that social work, I know mental health is a really important thing from your experience in supporting uh, people and now employees and, and the folks that you recruit. Can you tell me a little bit about any suggestions you have for HR talent, for talent acquisition professionals to support uh, their employees and their candidates as they're, as they're challenged with this remote hybrid work environment that's a, very much different than it was several years ago? So true. Before the pandemic, Corporate culture was a very easily defined thing and people understood what it was. And then we had a shift to a completely virtual world for many industries, not all. And then we've kind of come into either hybrid or remote or different configurations. And the one thing that I was concerned with throughout the pandemic in 2020 is the risk for people like me who are extroverts, who now we are isolated in our home offices working. And how do we tell what's going on for our colleagues, for our employees? Are people having difficulty with mental health reasons being isolated or not having the ability to, hey, John, had this really difficult client that, to just vent and to share. And so that's one of the things that I was doing during the pandemic was paying attention on any Zoom meeting to what the audience was doing. As soon as you share a screen, we lose half of them. But to be able to see visually, how do people look? Have they showered? Do they not want to be on camera? And what exactly does that mean for the rest of us being able to communicate and engage with each other when we can't even see our subordinate who may be having some trouble? So I just became very much interested in it as we go forward, because we're not going to return 100% I don't believe into the workforce in person, that this is the new world that HR has to be able to manage 
and to you know evolve into hybrid, remote, and in person. Yeah, so well said. And I got to tell you, Lisa, I, I am so excited to talk to you and to cover that first topic that we discussed on mental health. I totally slipped and I had a brain fart and did not ask you the very first question that I have all my podcast guests start with. So you are memorable in that sense. Hopefully you remember that. And for those of you that are listening, you're like, hey, wait a second, John, I thought you asked all guests the very first same question. So I'm going to get back to that question. I apologize for kind of running out of order here for the, the folks that are listening. But you know that the podcast is called HR Like a Boss. I'm super passionate about purpose and being driven around that. Tell me what you believe the purpose of HR to be. I view that HR is the heart of the organization, that it is the entry point, the central point, that nothing else can be run without a good solid HR department, whether it is from the talent acquisition, recruiting, entering into the company, to the onboarding, the retention, even those exit interviews, that this is the key point. Yeah, we need the CEO and we need marketing and whatnot to sell the products, but we need to take care of the people. And that is one of the most important customers that any company organization has, is how well we take care of the people who work with us and for us. Yeah, which ties really well into that, that mental health aspect that you mentioned before and, and understanding where people sit in their current state, because I know it always changes and evolves and the importance of having uh, a good a good mindset at the same time being being cognizant of the fact that life happens and employees have rough days they have traumatic events and it's so important to be mindful of that and i was just having this conversation recently with my marketing director about the importance of your employees to serve your customers which one's more important well you could debate that all day long but i i go with our people our team our employees because without them we can't serve the customers uh, although they're both really important and uh we, we certainly appreciate uh, that aspect, that kind of challenge within the business environment. Talking about challenges, this idea of the great, the great resignation, the big quit, all this stuff that's happening where the dynamic of the supply and demand has shifted to the employee, the candidate population. I'm so curious to get your perspective, Lisa, on why should I work at the company fill in the blank? What, what are applicants looking for when you're talking to them and recruiting for your clients every single day? Well, the first thing everyone's asking, can I do it remote? What's the flexibility policy? My favorite one was when it was a manufacturing plant and it was the assembly line position where the person was asking if he could do it at home. In some industries, maybe, but not in this particular role. I think one of the big issues is that we need to take a look at what matters to candidates. And a lot of times, yes, salary, no question about it. We've seen a lot of companies, a lot of my companies have gone to uh, hiring bonuses and then retention, but now we're at a point where that doesn't seem to make any bit of difference. That it was so great and you know, early on, that was what was engaging, was able to see how one of my companies went from below the average income for starting salaries to the best paid job in town and the population you know, coming to them that, but then you see this slowdown that we're kind of back to what the research is always saying as far as how we are treating our employees. Is there a career path? Am I going to stay as an assembly line worker, or is there any opportunity for me to become a lead, become a supervisor, move into a different department, move up, make more money, 
improve myself and grow personally and professionally. And I think that employers really need to stop and take a look. If there is no career path, maybe that's a good starting point to figure out what can we do to grow our people. Yeah, no, it's great. I, I saw that study McKinsey put out driving the career pathing as a, a number one factor in that uh, springboarding over money and uh, flexibility, autonomy. I just had a recent guest on the show was telling a story about the fact that promotion, 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 then met a manager that said, you got to park here for the next five years. Sure enough, that employee left within uh, less than six months because he felt like he couldn't go anywhere. I think the importance of mirroring, matching where your employees are trying to go with their careers and how that best complements the need of the business. I think that's a critical part of it. It's interesting. Can, next, I, can, I, can I say one other thing about that? You John? can say whatever you want. You're the guest on the show. <laughs> the other thing is that people really want to hear that their work is meaningful, that we are proud of you, that you were instrumental, John, in your leading of this particular program, that you know, a lot of times for myself, when I coach folks, I will say things like, I am so proud of you. Not, you should be so proud of yourself, but I, another grown adult, it's not my child, but being able to share pride or things that our employees do well. And, you know, it's like a newspaper, you know, in the olden days when we had newspapers, where it was the problems and the stuff that sells the paper, that's headlines, and the good stuff is a small paragraph inside. And I think employers need to keep in mind how exactly are you giving positive encouragement and, and reinforcement to your staff? Or is it more when they do something wrong or mistakes are made that they are you know, getting constructive feedback? So I think that's a real balance that leaders and managers need to make because it keeps people happy. Yeah, meaningful work, those that are engaged, feeling like you have a purpose that you're supporting within your work to the greater good of the community. That's a really a springboard for why I wrote the book, HR Like a Boss. I felt like sad state of affairs to have so many people feeling not engaged at work. All the studies tell you from 54 to 66%, whatever number it is, it's too many. And that people don't find meaning in what they do every day. And then I don't think organizations that have done a good enough job of connecting all the dots, connect the employee, what they're trying to get accomplished in their job, to how that impacts the business and how the business can impact the community. And we cycle all that together. When you do that the right way, you can really get a lot accomplished. And I think I think your suggestion on, on what applicants are looking for, they're looking for something bigger than just a job. They want a path and a job that pays them some money. Doesn't mean either one of those are both important, but I think it's, a, it's when you look bigger, uh, you can have such a, a much, much greater impact on people's lives. All right, so talking about having impact, I was part of a uh, advisory group that was talking about all these ways that we could develop individuals in the human resource professional. And they said the number one training need requested by the human resource professional and the one they're not getting the most of is around effective communication. And I'm curious, Lisa, from your standpoint, how do we inspire and evaluate employees through effective communication? I think the key part of any type of constructive feedback is to be able to listen and to ask the right questions. So I've been a member of Toastmasters International for the last 12 years. And in, in corporate settings, this is my sweet spot. So what I've watched in those 12 years is how you can teach people to be leaders, 
and you can help them to grow. And part of it is simply being able to find out what their goals are. So I know that when I've worked for different large companies and it came time for that annual review, some of them would give you a evaluation form for you to identify what you could improve on. And then you would meet with your supervisor and the two of you could review your past year and make some goals for the following year. And I always thought that was a really interesting way to do that because it forces the supervisor to be able to listen and hear what's important to the employee. And I just really think right now, so much time and attention is focused on the recruitment. And I gotta tell you, you gotta be spending a lot more time on retention because I can keep bringing in the folks, but you keep losing the folks. And that's a real hand-in-hand -hand piece of what recruitment is about and what HR is all about. How do we take care of our employees, make sure that it's benefiting the company and that it's a nice place to work and someplace people want to get up and, hey, I'm going off to work. I'm going to Willery. Yes. Now, speaking of like retention and the importance of that, how... How are you finding organizations, at least some of the clients you work with or in your experience in networking with other HR professionals, that retention piece, you know, the re there's a reason why the jobs are open that you're trying to fill all the time. And what, what organically is the reason for that? Tell me about what you're experiencing and any, any thoughts from your experience. I'm experiencing that a lot of companies don't have the time to focus on retention. So they're not. So even with one of my colleagues, um, as we've brought people into like a manufacturing plant, talking about how he needs to physically go out onto the plant floor, maybe a week into it or the next week to physically go and talk to the people that he has brought in because the turnover rate within the first couple of weeks, they're gone. And so what can be done? How can we keep engaging people to be able to hear what's going on before they don't come back? And so that's one of the pieces is that I used to work at a company a hospital and it always amazed me at this particular hospital that the CEO at lunchtime would come in and would sit down with any table. It could be housekeeping, it could be the therapist, it could be the doctors, but there was a real blending. Didn't matter if you were in the C-suite or you know, entry level, but there was a communication of comparing what you did over the weekend or relationships, not necessarily about work, but about people. And that's why things like retreats or your company picnic, or in the old days, they used to go to Jogger Lake, things that bring your team together outside of work. Yeah, you had some people who really don't want to participate in that, but it majorly connects and makes this work family that you are with more hours than your own biological family. So hopefully you're going to like this family. Yeah. And for those not in Northeast Ohio, Jogger Lake is an old school back in the day a water park that used to take your employees, your kids, your family, your friends, just to 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 uh, have a good time. I feel like that needs to make its way back. Like uh, Maverick, uh, the new Top Gun movie was all about remembering what happened in the 80s. That'd be cool if they could bring a Geauga Lake back for a period of time. Well, hey, Lisa, I got to tell you, I know you made a quick reference to Willery, and this podcast would not be what it is without the support from Willery, which you know is near and dear to my heart as the founder and owner of the firm. For those that don't know, Willery was uh, formed and continues to provide resources around this podcast, as well as provides a great level of service and support in the community. The purpose at Willery is to empower people and is focused on supporting mid-sized employers 
with their search and staff augmentation needs, along with a unique client side HR technology consulting practice. So if you're struggling to find talent for your HR and payroll teams, call Lisa Newberger or Willery. And if you're not going to return on your investment for your HR technology, please visit willery.com to learn more. Gave you a plug while giving the firm a plug. How was that? <laughs> that was very impressive. Awesome. <laughs> so cool. All right. So tell me, you're, you're, I, I put you in this, this um, professional light of one of the, the really solid, great recruiters that are out there. Kind of you have some different ideas. You and I have talked a couple of times uh, it, it before today's podcast about uh, projects and opportunities and things that you're doing. But I'm really curious, this is such a unique time with the, the great resignation, the big quit, whatever the heck we want to call it, more people leaving the workforce uh, than record record times before, more jobs than we have qualified talent for. What are your tips and suggestions? What's your What's your secret sauce you have when it comes to recruiting? Please tell. I was in my own job search job for six years. And so as a result, I saw a lot and I know from those groups that I stay very connected to, which benefits me obviously as a recruiter, that how we treat applicants is a big concern. I, as a recruiter, I am the face of whatever organization I am recruiting for. And I want people to like me and see that there's energy and I got a warped sense of humor and I'm gonna make you laugh. And because one of the things I found is recruiting is that if you laugh, it reduces, there's that social work training, it reduces your defenses to the nervousness and the being so caught up in making sure you're saying the right things in an interview. And so having people feel a little more comfortable. I realized that most recruiters, they got 15 minutes, boom, boom, boom. They're gonna answer their questions and move it on. But I think a real key thing is to be able to engage, like you said, the communication, to make them laugh, to make them feel, oh, hey, this looks like a great place. If they got this kind of recruiter, it's got to be a great place. But to be able to help people to know what's going on. So keep in mind, there are some clients I have where I am not allowed to send a rejection email until a person physically has started the job. So for a job seeker, oh my gosh, you apply for a job, they screen you, they interview you, and you hear nothing for three months or so. It's just, you go, you know, totally ghosting. And so there's other places where I've begged that if we're not going to move forward with someone that we should be at least notifying them at the very least, uh, rejecting on an email. Or if I've had conversations with people, I want to talk to people and let them know. Because that piece, again, again, I'm the brand of the company. I want to keep them thinking, okay, this might not have been the right opportunity. I'll keep an eye on them in the future and maybe apply again. So I really think we as recruiters need to keep in mind the brand and that when you talk to job seekers, their frustration that there's not enough communication with them, even if it would be to let them know, I don't have an answer. They haven't you know, gone back to me. Um, I mean, the reason why companies do it, obviously, is they want to make sure that the position is filled before they send away the other applicants in case something doesn't work out. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. You were as you were sharing your response, it 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 got me to think about a couple conversations I've had with clients or people in my network or community that were fr frustrated. Their employer, they're the company, they're trying to find talent, and the fact that the the pendulum has shifted from maybe an employer slightly, I'll call it uh, favored 
employment market to now definitely a candidate-driven market where the candidates are really driving and dictating a lot of things. And I wonder if there's this sense of frustration that employers have that they're just resisting the fact that the market is speaking to you now and you have to make a change. You have to shift. You have to adjust. And if you don't, you're going to continue to have problems. You're going to continue to have high turnover. Your, your open positions are going to be difficult to, to fill. I'm just so curious to kind of see all that out and see how this plays, because I, I think the strong survive in this, the ones that are agile and figure it out, they'll be able to recruit the talent. And the ones that don't, I think, are really going to be in a unique position to uh, adjust to what is happening in our, our landscape of uh, employment and candidates and business as a whole. But I think that's one of the things that for myself as an independent contractor and then John for Willery, when you're bringing people in who have worked in other companies, I am bringing best practices. I am bringing new ideas or, oh, look at this really cool thing that this other company did to be able to take that knowledge and help the current company. When you have a recruiter who is in-house, who is working themselves as hard as they can, sometimes you don't have the ability to step back and look at the process or look at how to bring new ideas in because the volume is, it's, it's a spinning wheel. We're just churning and moving fast. So sometimes when places have needed to add some staff for a project or to get through a hurdle when there's some staff turnover and they need more you know, hands on deck, those are great times to be able to share information different than what we read about or that's been published, but where firsthand, what can benefit your company? And also if, wait, we tried that somewhere else and it was a disaster so that you're not wasting your money or time. Yeah, great insights. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. I'm curious, you said something uh, in responding to one of the questions before around your, your job search being long and that experience turning you from uh, investing in a social work career to one in recruiting. I'm sure you were probably fascinated about why, why is this taking so long? How can I make an impact? How can I do it better? I'm just assuming. I'm curious in that you probably build out a pretty unique network in that period of time and looking for people's help, support, and guidance. Tell me why you think networking is so important to the HR and town acquisition profession. Because life has changed. I mean, you have to look at every opportunity. You don't know who might have a neighbor, a cousin, a best friend, a colleague who is in a company that you're trying to get into or or more or may know of opportunities. And you know what, John, it took a long time for me to realize networking isn't what you can do for me, but it's what I can do for you. And so whenever I, as a job seeker, would be ending a networking call or coffee, I would say, you know, John, you've been so kind with your time and energy. Is there anything I could do to help you? At which point people are like, what? I'm here to help her. But on the other hand, it ferments these relationships that, oh, wait a second, I could hang on to Lisa's contact information. And if I need, if I need somebody stuffing envelopes, like we used to do in the old days, but stuffing envelopes, here's someone who's willing to volunteer and help. And so I think that's a key part for job seekers and for recruiters uh, and HR people in general is that we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We need to keep making sure that we're connecting to people because I'll tell you a secret. Whenever I go on a Zoom call or in person, if I'm in person, I will try to take, sneak a picture of the registration 
And if I'm on a Zoom call, I do a screenshot and then I reach out to everybody individually to have like a 10 or 15 minute phone call. It's quicker than meeting at the coffee shop. And being able to, I mean, we talk about nothing. We talk about what our hobbies or interests are. We're not necessarily talking about HR, but it is as a recruiter building me in my network. Oh, look at all these HR generalists and talent acquisition and people for when I am looking for them. But the other side is it's putting a human face onto it. I mean, what's the point of giving a business card, swapping, connecting on LinkedIn, and then, then what? You don't even remember them. You have no idea how you met them. So it's just one of those things that I think we need to keep evolving. And in a virtual world or a remote world, like the world I'm in, that means getting a little more creative that, okay, doesn't have to be on video. My God, we all get tired of looking at ourselves. Maybe John doesn't, but I get tired of looking at myself. But to even tell someone, hey, can we just have a phone call? It is so amazing on how people are like, oh, yes, then I could be like lifting weights or I could be eat, drinking my coffee and not being self-conscious of what I am, how I'm looking and yet being able to connect because that's, I think, what HR is. And I think that's what recruiting is, is just connecting with folks and seeing how we can help you. Yeah, years of experience, gray hair, having a chance to work through a lot of different things in my life. I realized you can achieve a lot of really cool stuff. You can, you can have accolades along the way, but to me, it's about the journey and the people you do it with. That's what you'll remember once it's time, right? It's time for you to move on from your career or, or move on from this earth that you'll remember the people you surrounded yourself with and those experiences you had. So the importance of networking to me is it's that famous word paramount, which was in HR Like a Boss, the book way too many times. And then we, we pulled it out. I love, I love to use that word because it tries to draw great attention to the importance of it. But networking can mean the world to people. You can meet your best friend. You can meet your spouse. You can meet uh, your, your second coming of Lisa Newberger, right? Oh my gosh, I have this, this sister that I never even knew existed just because you have took a chance of taking a screenshot of a Zoom meeting and reaching mm -hmm. out to someone through LinkedIn. I, I think that's great suggestions. All and right. If John, you ever decide you need a little help the gray, like I got help, I got a, I got a colorist for you, okay? <laughs> you know, I was offered that one time and when she told me I had to come back every two weeks, I was like, no, that's not for me. People <laughs> tell me it's distinguished and I still have hair. So those two things I think are going okay. <laughs> so true. All right, Lisa, you've been great. The podcast is coming to a close. If you've listened to the show before, you know what I'm going to ask. The book is called HR Like a Boss. This podcast is called HR Like a Boss. Lisa, enlighten our listeners on what you think it takes to do HR Like a Boss. One of the plugs I'm going to make is for one of the contracts I work with your partner in HR, the boss that I have over there, she has my back. So to have a boss and with all my history and my work and career, when you have someone like that, who you know has your back, will always listen and see how to problem solve and believes in you. That to me is what being HR like a boss, my definition. Awesome. A couple of things stood out to me, Lisa, I'll share it. You talk about taking care of your employees, the importance of human resources to really care, take a, a vested interest in their well-being, both physically and mentally and spiritually. I think it's really important paying attention to them and their body language and the way they react to things and how they're conducting their business or how they're how they're seeming on a Zoom call. If somebody's always on screen for four months in a row and then goes a month not being on screen, kind of picking up on that. 
You also talked about the importance of employers being flexible to remote work. That's what the marketplace is looking for. There's at some points demanding it, and I think it's really important. Culture, the importance of culture is at, at your center of, of making sure organizations are driving you know, effective um, managers and business. So the culture of your business has evolved and changed, as you mentioned, based upon the fact that many of us are working from our homes or partially hybrid. You also brought up something about listening, and I'm a, I'm a big proponent of really cluing into what people are saying and trying to be adaptive to them and where they're at in the conversation, because they'll, they'll give you a lot of clues without even you asking for them. And you, you provided some insight listening to your customers in the HR field from a town acquisition perspective and understand why employers, why companies are having a hard time retaining their employees and what can they do and then you ended with a shout out to your um, colleague about having your back, the importance of, of a good boss being someone that's going to stand up for you, support you, give you the resources that you need. Not to mention, you made some old school references to, to envelopes, newspapers, and Geauga Lake. We covered a wide, <laughs> no, I don't know, you covered a wide range of topics. Lisa, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you. Um, Thank you for listening to the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please leave a rating or review. Or better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR. HR.